And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Excited to be joined today by Steve Ohanians from Clear Digital. Uh, He works at a digital marketing agency, and we're going to learn more about his background. But we're also going to talk a lot today about accidentally being an entrepreneur. I've done it three times and excited to hear about his experience with that. And, you know, usually those are the best entrepreneurial stories. Before today's, uh, before we get started, today's episode of Startup Puzzle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. So before we get started, um, tell us a little more about your background. Sure. How far back do you want me to go? Uh, preschool. Preschool. <laughs> That's where the entrepreneur... Yeah, maybe I can you... go that far that back. Is that when you started as an entrepreneur? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Lemonade. Uh, no, I was. it was the farthest thing from actually. So anyway, um, but I'll go back a little bit. I mean, growing up... Uh, there was a couple of things that I knew I was good at and I actually liked doing, right? One was I was really good at math and science. and uh, I really enjoyed figuring out how things work and problem solving in general. And at the same time, I really loved uh, arts and music. And I was constantly drawing and doodling in my notebooks during class. And um, I taught myself how to play the guitar and piano, not, not really well, uh, but enough to keep myself, give myself a creative outlet and keep myself entertained and like write music for myself and all that. But then when I got to college, it felt like I had to choose one world or the other, right? I had to go either the Bachelor of Arts direction or the Bachelor of Science direction. Um, And I chose aerospace engineering out of everything as my first career uh, decision. And I went to school at USC in LA and I had a dream of working on designing flight simulators that I thought that would be a really cool thing for me to like kind of apply engineering and design together. But it, man, it was just way too much math and physics for me. I, I, just, I was bored out of my mind. I didn't have a creative outlet. It just wasn't working. So um, I dropped out and started a rock band in LA. Uh, my next uh, obvious choice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, all right, the engineering thing didn't work. So let me try the music thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, started a band with friends and had the best time of my life doing shows around LA and uh, living that lifestyle and all that. And uh, But I always knew that wasn't going to be my, my career choice. And I actually kind of missed those nerdy engineering stuff while I was doing the, the, uh, the rock band. So this was probably in the mid nineties and the web world was really coming onto its own, right? So there's browsers were becoming better at displaying websites and 
standards were being written around CSS and HTML, and you know there was tools, Macromedia Flash. I don't know if people even know what that is anymore, but <laughs> uh, but there's tools to create and design websites that made yeah. it a little bit easier. And I became obsessed. I was I was designing and building websites any chance that I had. I would create them for my friends, family for where I would work for, for businesses that they wouldn't even ask me to create a website for them. I would just design it and send it to them and say, hey, what do you think? Uh, and for me, that, that digital web world was the perfect marriage of art and science, right? I could use my creative side to conceptualize something and I can use engineering to build it. So that's, that's kind of how I started in this digital agency world. So tell us more about your company today and what you guys do today. So Clear Digital, we are we design and develop digital brand experiences and websites primarily for B2B organizations. And especially at the moment where their business is evolving or changing, right? One thing we noticed a few years ago is every time we are sought out for new work for let's say a new brand design or a new website or a new digital experience, that company is almost always going through some kind of a big change. Uh, there's a new CMO or marketing VP of marketing that wants to see a new direction for the organization, or they've just gotten funding and they, they need to generate leads right away. Uh, they're struggling competitively. Uh, they want to set themselves up for ac acquisition. There's always a big change. And what we're good at is helping these B2B organizations really confidently navigate that change and provide that clarity that they need to approach the design development and execution of their next web experience or their next digital brand experience. So are most of your customers smaller customers where you're dealing with the, the founders and the entrepreneurs or are they more bigger corporate accounts? So we when we started, it used to be a lot of smaller companies. Nowadays, it's mostly funded startups to midsize and large corporations. Okay. Okay. Well, um, love to talk more with you about being an accidental entrepreneur. And I guess the first question is, is oh, your company is getting close to 25 years old, right? Congrats on that. 25 years old. Um, yeah, you're, you're, almost, you're almost there, right about there. What um, Was it an accident when you first started it? Yeah, I mean, I like to say it was an accident when I first started. Uh, I, I started my agency because... I love designing and building websites. And it was simple as that. I love doing the work. I love seeing the difference it made for people and organizations. I didn't start it because I wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? And, or take on the challenge of scaling and growing this massive business. That wasn't that wasn't my thing. Now those are things that I've come to appreciate nowadays, right? And I, and but I was I didn't think I was born to start a multi-million dollar business. That was that wasn't my. I didn't start a lemonade stand and was trying yeah. to make money when I was a kid. It's entrepreneurship came about because because of me just wanting to do more of the work that I love to do. So when you first started, were you were hands on? Like, were you 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 know in Photoshop designing websites, doing the HTML? Like, were you you were hands on doing all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So my co-founder and I started, and I, I tapped it from a creative design Photoshop guy, and he was the coder developer guy. So, okay. uh, so yeah, it was all hands-on. So uh, 
at what point there, I'm going to guess you guys made the switch where you don't, you don't get to do much of that anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have teams that do all of that now. Yeah. We're, we're close to a hundred people right now. So, um, yeah, I, I would say when we, when I first realized that I need to, I need help <laughs> and I need to get out of the way is probably when we grow to, grew to about 20 people is, where it started to feel like, because when you're smaller than that, you know, things go a lot smoother without any processes, without any like actual uh, writings or, um, you know, you could just call the person go next door and say, Hey, like what's going on? Like, can we do this this way? And it's just a lot more conversational way of doing business. But once you, once you hit that 20 person, then all of a sudden you need to think about what is a QA process, right? Like, how can we make not have three developers or four developers? How can I make them follow the same exact process that we've set for this organization? And I have to think about HR now and I have to think about operations and um, you get, you get to, marketing and you, you know, get to think something. about, you get to think about everything except designing websites. Exactly. <laughs> all the things that, you know, I, I was never good at is somehow my plate now. And, you know, and then you're also hiring non-billable people all of a sudden, right? So you, right. All of a sudden you're, you know, you can't just hire another designer, another developer, another writer. Uh, you need help now. So you need to hire non-billable folks for operations, for HR, for creating a culture. That's important now. These people, um, I have careers that are in my hands that, I'm responsible for. I mean, all these things start mattering a lot more. So that was that was about the time where I figured out, you know, I well, can't that, design as much, and I need to focus on some of the other things. Well, the reason I ask that is, you know, a lot of us we love what we do, right? Just like you, you're like, oh, I love building websites, and all of a sudden you get a lot of people asking you for help, but eventually you don't get to do what you love to do anymore, right? right. Because you like all of a sudden you outgrow it, and you're like. Now, now I'm like a business person. Like I'm not a, I'm not a web designer. Now I like, I run a business and they, they always say like, it's like the, the business owner would rather spend their time doing plumbing and like the plumber would rather spend their time running the business. Right. Like everybody <laughs> almost always wants to do the opposite job. Right. Absolutely true. And that's the hard part about being an accidental entrepreneur is especially as a company grows, you know, you go from these days of designing stuff in Photoshop and building websites and doing all this stuff to now dealing with like crazy HR issues and like, you know, all this other crap that nobody wants to deal with, but that's the job now. And that, that's the hard part. My point is like, that's the hard part about being like an accidental entrepreneur. Like that was never the goal. Like the goal is like, I just wanted to build websites. Yeah. Yeah. That is the tough part. And it's tough. I would call myself a work in progress as far as kind of delegating and letting go. Uh, I always still, swoop and poop on some projects and swoop and poop oh i never heard that one i like that yeah. one. i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that one yeah well that's what my my team calls it it <laughs> comes steve swooping and pooping on our on, oh. the, on this on this project so yeah um so i still do that I, i'm a work in progress i'll tell you that but i learned pretty quickly that how much of a bottleneck i could be uh as a business owner i can't just be designing this and then i i the other thing is you have to learn to love being an entrepreneur, right? So at right. some point that switch has to happen where, you know, your love started from doing what you were doing. But then if you can't make that jump to loving the entrepreneurship portion of the business now, then that might not be the right thing for you. 
Well, I think the key for people that want to be an entrepreneur is just keeping your eyes open to the problems out there and looking for opportunity. You know, the, the first, the first kind of entrepreneurial part of this, the first entrepreneurial thing I ever did was helping a software dealer rewrite some software for their car dealership, right. just like a little database. And I actually was selling computers at Sears and the guy came in and he was looking for a computer to run the software. And I ended up having a chat with him and ended up helping him rewrite the software. Like I was just open to opportunities. And if I had been at lunch that day, my entire life would have been totally different than taking that opportunity. Because ultimately, a couple of years later, I started a company in the automotive industry because of that relationship and what spawned all of that. And it's it's just all about looking for opportunities and being open to them and um, just you know being open-minded about it, being a problem solver. Uh, yeah, and I, I look at being an entrepreneur as almost like design problem solving as well, right? And and I do feel like there's certain traits that you need to have as an entrepreneur uh, to be a good entrepreneur. Even though you, I, I started on a different path, that, that was never my that was never my path to when I was growing up. That hey, I want to be this. In fact, what's funny is uh, nowadays I see all these kids growing up wanting to be an entrepreneur, right? And or every other person I meet is an entrepreneur or a startup owner or a startup founder, right? So Everybody's got a side hustle now. Everyone's doing it. And when I started doing this, it wasn't very cool to be an entrepreneur, right? Like you need to go to school, you need to get a good job, get a good salary. My path was pretty uncool. But I think you also need to have a little bit of that risk taking mentality too, kind of right. you know, taking something on and uh, trying and see where it goes. I think that is pretty much a common thing that I would want to see in an entrepreneur. Yeah, and then my my uh, company Full Scale that we started that does software development was sort of the same thing. It's like I needed to hire software developers in the Philippines. And I said, you know what? If I can make this work for me, I can probably make it work for other people. Like, can we yeah. make a business out of this thing? Like, you know, there, it's just looking for opportunities and especially if you have expertise in something, you can solve a problem for yourself. It's like, well, how do we, how do we help other people do the same thing? You know, like you're like, Hey, I'm really good at building websites, but there's other people that need help building websites. Right. I think that's a great point, Matt, around looking for opportunities. I think that's a good trait to have or a trait an entrepreneur should have. And that's something that I found in myself when I was doing it. Like, like I said, I love building websites, but really what motivated me was I could see it help organizations. I could see it move the needle for them. So, um, and I saw opportunity in that and that made me excited about, excited about it even more. So what, you know, do you have a great story there about a company that, that clear digital has been able to help and, you know, was really kind of transformational for their business based on your guys's design work and marketing that you do and all the things. I mean, we have tons, um, Everything from, you know, setting the, that company up for acquisition or generating their their leads. I mean, increasing their lead generation. We have tons of them. I mean, those are all things that we track and it's all part of the initial KPI settings and benchmarking that we use when we approach any project is kind of where you are at, where, where are you with your engagement metrics and then how can we move that needle for you? But yeah, for, and then for every organization, that's a little bit different, right? So um, yeah, 
all of our projects have some kind of a component in moving that needle. I do want to remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what developers are available to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So one thing I wanted to ask you about is, so the name of your company was originally Web Inertia. Correct. And then you guys recently rebranded that. So how how did that go? Like... um, brand recognition, changing the name, like that's what you guys do, right? You're digital marketing and, and you help help people do this kind of stuff. How was, how was changing the name? Yeah. So, well, the funny story is how we came up with the name. So like I said, we, my co-founder and I were, well, I don't know if I mentioned this, but we were still finishing our, I ended up going back to college and I went to San Jose State University to study uh, uh art with i think digital art with a minor in computer science so uh, and i had one of my good friends that was in class with me and he was studying programming and we both had a physics class together and we're learning about inertia this this amazing property that keeps objects in motion and we thought hey that's a cool concept to an inspiration for our company not necessarily thinking that it's also the exact same property that stops things from moving right which was pointed out to us several times throughout the years and then this was the 90s and ibm had coined the e-business around everything that had to do with the internet so we misspelled inertia with an e and then we added the word web in front of it so pretty much every bad decision around business naming we made to start web inertia and it actually worked great for us for a while it was kitschy it was quirky it said exactly what we did when we needed it right web Um, but once we grew and we started doing a lot more than web a lot of our work now starts from the foundational brand work right brand strategy before we figure out what that web experience is going to be so um it it became an unnecessary barrier for us to both win new business and grow grow even within our customer base so uh we knew it was time for a change how long did it take you to make that change was that like a several month project to do um well it took me a year and a half to convince my partner to do this and then the process itself took almost a year um i mean we went through hundreds of names uh it's nowadays it's hard it's hard to find something that's easy to remember that fits you strategically has trademark availability has an easy url that's available it's it's almost an impossible task so uh, i'm gonna guess your domain name was not available and you had to buy it didn't you it it cost a pretty penny yeah (laughs) you won't you won't share the amount probably though right (laughs) uh it was five digits okay yeah, my um, my last company was called Stackify, and we bought uh, I think we bought like Stackify.net or something like that, and then nobody used the .com, and and I'd messaged somebody, and they never responded back, and then finally, like uh, a few months later, I messaged them again. I think it was something like Korea that owned it, and uh, they responded back, and I bought it from for five grand. So awesome! You just you just never know. Now, the other side of that story is so clear.com is actually available. And I reached out to those guys and it was one of those sites where it says, hey, just give us a bid and we'll get back to you. So I, don't know, I put like a $10,000 bid 
And then the guy emails me back and said, are you going to put a bid? I'm like, I did put a bid. It's at $10,000. And he's like, no, we're only considering strong seven figure. Dang. Seven figure offers for this. I'm like, all right. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to think less and less that domain names are near as important as they used to be anymore, you know? No. But uh, no. you don't even see them in the web browser. Like URLs are hidden half the time, and it's uh, slowly a different world, I think. But It is. It is. Yeah. So tell me more about different things you guys do at, at Clear Digital. So, sure. So Clear Digital, like I said, uh, we... Our DNA was web design and development, uh, but as we started uh, our business, we quickly figured out how important kind of the brand aspect is of uh, of setting the foundation for our website or for any website before we get started. So our services include brand strategy, which is like brand identity design, setting up brand guidelines, brand messaging architecture, brand positioning, how are you going to tell that story? How are you going to humanize that B2B story uh, before we start designing what the website is? Uh, we do digital strategies, so creating, doing workshops, uh, creating data and analytics dashboards for our clients, doing competitive audits and analysis, doing research. Uh, we do UX design outside of web, so more on applications, uh, web apps, and creating user experiences for that, and uh, design systems for UX applications. Uh, motion graphics and video, we do a ton of work around that. Uh, content development, digital marketing, so helping with you know SEO, SEM, and even creating campaigns and social media and regeneration tools so we do a lot of different things so i'm curious how do you see ai and chat gpt changing all of these things because it seems like it's going to have a big impact on almost everything you just described you know i was actually talking to someone uh yesterday about this and uh, we're talking about uh knowing how to do ai prompts is going to be just as prevalent uh, in resumes as knowing word and excel soon right like you need to have uh you need to be familiar with this i mean we have some uh some programs within both our design and development team on experimenting with different tools like chat gpt and um, mid journey and those tools and seeing how we can incorporate them into both our design process and web development process uh i think they're for sure going to well i don't think they're there yet right they're not these magic tools right now that can spit out a website for you for your for your next business idea but i think they add value and they can add a lot of value in the process of getting there well i've i've seen demos of things like adobe photoshop and canva and and stuff like that where it can help generate graphics and like I saw an example of Adobe where it was doing like all sorts of weird fonts and different things. You could tell it like how to make the fonts look and it would do all this like really crazy stuff. And I think it'll, it'll be a productivity tool and I think it'll help people create way more creative stuff than they could before. I mean, I think it'll help somebody like me be way more creative, even though I'm not like a graphic artist, right? If I go to Adobe and tell it like 
do this crazy thing of monkeys on Mars and playing chess, holding bananas with gold shoes and doing, you know, whatever. And it like spits it out. It's like really magical, you know, like be able to, able to be way more creative than I ever could have been before without being a graphic artist. Yeah. And I, I do think that you still need some creativity to get that creative out. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, it's easy to say, Hey, I want like a month, like, I don't know, a horse, Riding, riding in a car, but if you want it in a specific visual style with the camera angle, you're essentially art directing yeah. um, that piece. And so, uh, and depending on your use for it, you know, this could be like an ideation thing or it could be a final product. So, uh, like I said, I feel like it's going to be as prevalent in, and a tool that designers can use and maybe they can focus more on being creative, right? Or developers can use it more on, you know, executing the product and creating clean code. Uh, we have a client right now that has uh, this AI-based uh, testing and automation tool where it essentially figures out all of the user journeys within the product and it all, it's constantly generating different tests for functionality performance. It's clicking through everything and it's ongoing all the time and it's, as it's learning, it generates new tests and, you know, it's a great way for us to mitigate project risk. So um, a lot of cool I, things out there that you can use. I kind of feel like a good analogy for this might be how iPhones and, and you know, modern Android phones has almost made everybody a photographer. But yeah. we're not professional photographers, right? Like if you hire a professional photographer, they're still like 10 times better. Because they just have the eye for it, the, the the skill and the creativity for it, right? But it made it more available to everybody else. Right. <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's what a lot of technologies do. They democratize them and, and enable more people to have access to to it. But you're, you're always going to have people that are still experts in the field yep. that still do it at a whole nother level. I think it becomes a, another tool that folks can use. And yeah, it is more accessible for folks and for the for those actual designers that act, can actually art direct, they're the ones that are going to get the most value out of that. I really like um, what you said earlier about being good at AI prompts is going to be a key on your resume. And I was talking to somebody the other day, it's like, you know, our, you know, the last, you know, 20 years, people have really had to become good at using Google. Like that's a skill set. Everybody knows like I can go to Google and I can search for the weather. It'll do math for me. I can search for recipes. You know, I can search for travel. Like it'll do all these different things, right? But AI is making it like orders of magnitude more, you know, more difficult. Like, man, I can ask it to do all sorts of stuff. Like I didn't know I could ask it to write me a country song. <laughs> you know, like there, there are so many things you can ask it to do that I think you're right. It's like a huge skill set. And I think, like my kids will now grow up with that and like they will, it'll all be second nature to them of like using AI to do things. And in some ways, things like Alexa and Siri and stuff have already trained us a little bit on this. I mean, I've seen prompt experts as job descriptions for some organizations now. I've seen, uh, I've seen it monetized with prompt marketplaces. I don't know if you've seen those, yeah. or not, but you can essentially pay somewhere between two bucks and five bucks to download the perfect prompt for writing an article, uh, writing an SEO article and things like that. So yeah, I think it's going to be a big part of 
the work, especially in the spaces that we are, um, it's going to be a big part of the tool sets and the skill sets that you would need to successfully do your job in the future. I'm really excited about it on the computer programming side. And I, some people think it's going to replace computer programmers. Again, I think it's a productivity tool. You know, there's a lot of crap that developers have to do that they don't remember the exact syntax for, right? But if I can't, if, if I know the exact syntax, I can probably do it way faster than I could ask the AI to do it for me. I could just type, 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 done, right? But if I don't remember the syntax or I'm not sure how to do it, the AI is like the ultimate cheat code, right? It's like, I can just ask the AI, like, how do I center this div? And it just does it, right? Um, I think it's, I'm super excited about that as a, as a developer. And there's like GitHub Copilot X and all these things they're talking about. And I've played with ChatGBT with, with programming stuff. And um, I'm, I'm really super excited about it. And, you know, your, your company is interesting because you guys do so many different things, you know, across the, the, the digital landscape that uh, AI will definitely affect you guys in all sorts of different, all sorts of different ways. So Yeah, even in development, I mean, API integrations, I mean, those are all things where you just have to learn the syntax. Uh, and I think Zapier's automating all that stuff now through, through AI. So yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of mundane uh, things that, that you're just kind of learning syntax where you can have the AI do it for you and make that do it a little bit faster. So I think it's going to make a big dent in how you approach development projects. So what, what tips do you have out there for other entrepreneurs like myself that maybe have a early stage business that are trying to figure out, okay, how do I do digital marketing for my company? Like where, where do I start as a, as a startup? You know, do you have any, have any good tips for other entrepreneurs when it comes to their digital marketing and kind of getting getting off the ground? Yeah, I would say one of the first things that you need to figure out is what really differentiates you as an organization or a company or a startup, right? Like, how are you different? How are you authentic? What is your position in that space? Because uh, you don't want to be because that should define everything else that you do in marketing, whether it's your logo, it's your it's your website, it's your pay-per-click campaigns, it's whatever that is. So I think the the place I would have most people start is really start digging into who you are, why you're different, how you do things, and and have that be an authentic starting place for you to do the rest of your marketing. Uh, if that makes sense, especially nowadays when there's like a sea of very similar sounding SaaS companies out there that all almost look the same or saying the same things, uh, you need to humanize your brand and we need to, you need to put your stake in like who you are, what's your positioning is. Uh, that's probably the most important place to start. How do you think... Um... Things like TikTok have have changed that, like brand and, and getting awareness and audience and how uh, is that is that a common common thing you see with your customers too? Is using new short video TikTok, all this kind of stuff? Um, yeah, short video. I mean, we we haven't dabbled too much into TikTok and doing that type of work for our clients, but uh, short videos are certainly a helpful tool, and uh, TikTok is a great place to to use for, for those types of uh, um, content. So I think anytime you can humanize your content and use any kind of social media tool to um, 
to bring some brand awareness to yourself, I think it's a good way to look at it. Especially early on, because like you are the brand, right? It's it's right. like putting yourself out there. And um, one of the things that I saw on TikTok not very long ago that really stuck with me, talk about your swoop and poop. Mine was the uh, was being the best known instead of being the best at what you do. It's like being the best known for what you do is like infinitely more important than being actually the best at what you do. Because if nobody knows that you exist, like it, it doesn't matter, right? Like the people that are the most successful are not usually the best at what they do. They're the best known for what they do. Especially nowadays, right? It's, it's a, it's a powerful awareness driver, TikTok. So, um, and if you need to get out there and it's where your prospects are, especially, you know, the future of the other thing I say is even in our world, the B2B business decision makers, like things like TikTok, things like even the metaverse. I mean, that's where these kids are, are, are and are going to be. And these people, these kids are going to be the decision makers in the sh in short few years. Right. So in even B2B projects, so, uh, or B2B sales, I should say. So you need to be where they're at. So I think it's really important for you to, uh, look at areas where, uh, where it can be an awareness driver for your, for your business. So you guys have a lot of specialty around the B2B side, as you've, as you've mentioned. So is there a certain type of digital marketing or marketing for B2B companies that you recommend these days, you know, and, and you know, like maybe in how that's changed over the last five to 10 years? Yeah, I don't know if, well, obviously things have changed. What our focus is, is, or what we feel like the, the number one brand touch point is nowadays is the website, right? So, and in the past five to 10 years, it's, it's a lot more about personalization and, uh, and, you know, just becoming a lot more smarter and using machine learning and data to, to provide data and content to, to websites and web experiences, and for users of the website. So that's been our focus uh, from from a marketing perspective. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's kind of our focus. On those. Okay. Well, I do want to remind everybody, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Well, so as we start to round out the, the episode here today, I'm curious if you have any, any other tips out there for other entrepreneurs about being an entrepreneur or just about digital marketing or what kind of tips do you have for people? Yeah, I mean, again, just from my background, I would say it's it's good if you love what you do, right? Especially for me. I mean, that's what it worked for me. But if you, if you can't do that, then find at least something that you love in what you do. Um, entrepreneurship is hard. I mean, there's crazy hours. There's the work-life balance myth that doesn't exist in entrepreneurial life. Uh there's responsibility for sales and growth. There's responsibility for uh, employee careers and their growth. It's hard stuff. So I think kind of finding what something that you really love uh, goes a long way in being being a successful entrepreneur.
one I loved earlier, we were talking about starting out as an entrepreneur, you know, you're, you're building websites, you're, you're doing all the, doing what you really love. And then the challenge being entrepreneur is as your business grows, you don't get to do any of that anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's, but that's one of the best, way, best ways to be an entrepreneur, right? Is you're an expert at a certain trade and you get known for that. And, you know, eventually you can turn it into a business instead of just being self-employed, right? You can have hire other people and turn it into a business. So, And and kind of evolve too, right? So right now my love is everything that I didn't start out doing. So it's my whole focus and what I enjoy is actually figuring out how I can scale and grow my business. So um, that's that is true for sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the show to, show today. Again, this is Steve Ohanian, and his website is, or his company is Clear Digital, ClearDigital.com. Check him out. And um, thank you so much. And I'm going to go write a LinkedIn post now about swooping and pooping. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Matt. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.